Previously on The Daily Deported. The turning moment for me really was I was detained at the airport with criminals. You're ultimately living in a different Sweden. Unless you've lived a life as an expat, it's very tough to understand, and I can completely relate to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but so can a lot of people, and then that was the objective with the survey. We can have both a welfare state and foreign workers. We can have both high-quality labor regulations, and that people like you or me or others can also benefit from these if we understand them. Soy un hombre muy honrado, que me gusta lo mejor. Las mujeres no me faltan ni el dinero ni el amor. Tiniteando en mi caballo por la sierra yo me voy. Las estrellas y la luna ellas me dicen dónde voy. Ay, 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 mi amor. Ay, mi morena de mi corazón. So let's touch on this, touch on this survey for a second. Like, what was the purpose behind it? I mean, the, per the, the initial spark for the survey was Ali Umumi um, and also the inspiration as a guy who's been not only an extremely effective and inspiring kind of leader on this issue to demand for the equal treatment of, of foreign workers who are not criminals. But the objective was what I saw a lot in the media was that there would be, a, you know, a human interest article written about this. Mm. And it would, to a degree, make the person who was facing deportation a victim. Mm. And then it would, like most of these articles, I mean, of course, they were written by Swedes. And in 2018 and 2017, when the election was heating up to, I would say, American levels um, of kind of identity politics, I thought that simply quantifying this would actually be the absolute best objective. In terms of, uh, and, and further, we didn't know how the, how the law was being interpreted. Mm. So to some degree, it was watchdog work. And to some degree, it was actually just really interesting to what, is, what does overall assessment mean? And that was, that was really interesting to understand and quantify not only what is happening and understanding these really interesting things about like with basic social sciences i mean every time for example CEDA, the swedish development agency before they ever do any program in any country almost every single time they do a scoping and they simply talk with the beneficiaries or the people who need this help or who are potential recipients of such aid or support and i'm so into that that's the Swedish approach to international development, which is amazing. So with all the political kind of messages floating through the air on like, oh my God, look at this, oh my God, the objective was to give these people a voice and give them actual agency because the agency had been stripped from them. I mean, of course, this is based in or informed, at least by my own experience, but I knew for sure that there were other people out there and that certain elements of the traditional Swedish model were simply failing mm. in, in providing advocacy for these people. And specifically, I would say with the unions, like if, if you or me were a Swedish citizen and one of these issues had happened, if you had missing insurance or missing vacation days or salary, it would be handled at the end of your paycheck when you end employment together with the union. Yeah. Um, even if your company didn't have collective Avtal or collective mm. agreements. And when I saw that the union would just blatantly say, we don't have any expertise or competency with migration, 
Mm. That is a failure of the Swedish model, period. Yeah. And it's really interesting as you talk with more unions because there's an enormous difference of opinion between the different unions. And it's not that they're the bad guy and business is the good guy. That's ultimately what I wanted to show is right. that the system in general is not functioning and not providing advocacy to these people who actually are extremely well integrated um, and part of Sweden. Like me and you are part of Sweden. Yeah. And I think I think that's a very important point to to touch on too and to realize that it is not showing the bad and the good it's just showing the situation like this this is it this is how it is yeah and that was the hardest part of everything with the survey survey is that once we released the results different media would pick it up and take it and spin it um in so many different ways and that was the hardest part of the job was remaining completely nonpartisan, which to this day we've maintained Mm. um because and i think that's very key uh for this because as soon as this gets polarized or switched or it's already it's been polarized dude for sure uh, for sure uh, and that's where the mess is that's where the mess is and as an american who's worked in politics that was exactly what i wanted to avoid mm. and so this is why do you think that could have been avoided like if if you go back and you could say maybe do something a little different to is there a way that polarization could be prevented or is that that is also just a symptom or a consequence of how the system is? So the Swedish model is essentially built on the ability for labor unions and for business associations to handle the majority of labor market issues without politicians necessarily stepping in. Mm. In terms of polarization, you have a really interesting dynamic in Sweden that is so painfully similar to the United States in, you know, 2012, uh, 2011, when the Tea Party came in. And you have this enormous and very rapid change in demographics from the mass migration of 2015. And you have what I think and what no one is really writing about or talking about is the generational differences in Sweden with Swedish native-born population. Mm. Uh, that low-skilled mostly manual labor uh, is extremely highly organized, highly regulated and highly paid. And this goes back. And if you really talk um, to people on the left, it goes back to the change in the law in 2008, which basically put people like me and you on the same visa as someone who is a waiter in a restaurant or someone who is cleaning houses. Mm. And so it's a conflict of ideas that's very painful, I think, for Sweden that is low-skilled labor the same as high-skilled labor. And in Denmark and Norway, we have different versions of the welfare state where you get different benefits after a certain period of time or after a certain visa, uh, classification of visa. And this is really difficult, I think, for Sweden, a country that built itself out of a low, mostly low-skilled manufacturing uh, labor movement to say, well, actually, you know, maybe we should classify high-skilled workers different from low-skilled workers. Mm. And that's at the crux of this debate. It's it, it, it's it can be spun eight million different ways. To answer your question, what I what I think ultimately is that showing these people as people, in light of all the othering, and there has been enormous amount of othering and and fear in the Swedish election specifically. That is so. It's like a bad copy of the United States mm. in many ways. And it's a retreat from liberalism uh, in general. Liberalism, not in the economic sense, but in the sense that 
being liberal means that we can have both. Uh, you know, we can do it. Uh, this it's a pseudo idealism that I think Sweden has patented and is famous for. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, you're holding Sweden hot to these high values because that's how Sweden is, and we need Sweden in the world like that. Mm. Sweden is needs to push the world forward. Yeah, that's why I came here as a you know uh, from a union family, from you know a ver a barely middle class from the sixth poorest state in the United States, New Mexico. I mean, four people were murdered uh, from my high school class. I mean, New Mexico is poor, poor, poor. And for me, it's countries like Sweden that provide inspiration not only for me, but for people all over the world. And holding Sweden to these ideals that they've created and marketed. It's the brand of Sweden. Exactly. I, we. It's part of our responsibility, I think, as people who live here to continue that. Me gusta tocar guitarra, me gusta cantar eso. Mariachi me acompaña cuando canto mi canción. Me gusta tomar mis copas, aguardientes lo mejor. También el tequila blanco con su sal da sabor. Ay, 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 If we take a look at the the survey and the survey results, which you've you've, you've definitely seen because you've organized the damn thing and got it all going through. And then when you look at, like, just like we talked about before, the, the ideals of Sweden and how it portrays itself, what's your feeling when you read the survey results of what's happened to people who have gone through and are going through this competence advising situation? Well, I mean, um, it's super interesting and you can nerd out as, like, um, as someone who's studied social sciences in Sweden. Oh, you, um, you love this nerding out part, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, because we're essentially, like I said, like it, this is the dynamics and the core movements and methods and different actors and institutions of building this kind of future society. But there's three things that really stand out to me. And number one uh, would be how extremely moderate and nuanced and very kind of middle of the road uh, the majority of the respondents are. And how they they very much understand that the crisis that the public sector has been through in terms of uh, this kind of overload of the of the welfare state with the absorption of more asylum seekers per capita than any other EU country. Then the second I would say is that health effects of someone who is on anyone in our survey are not correlated with any other variable which is super interesting. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're from Australia, the US, or Bangladesh. Um, the health effects are, uh, or the stress um, is, regardless of your nationality, your income level, and even if you've been deported, you're in appeal, or you're just worried. That was amazing. Um, that was a, a really interesting finding. Um, it's, it's there, regardless. Exactly. Uh, and so... Uh, this ability to create an enormous amount of like limbo and you know th that is very real and very effective mm. um, in the target group and then I would say finally what no one has really commented on and no one really uh, in the media um, 
they would go just for sound bites to fuel into the political debate. But actually, if you look at this from, from a more progressive perspective, the level of social trust with people uh, in this survey is almost as high as the Swedish national average. And social trust is like the real big difference between Sweden and a lot of other countries. Uh, social trust is created. We know for a fact that it crea it's created by effective universal welfare state institutions and also participation in civil society in different countries, but the social trust shows that this is the kind of real magic, um, Robert Putnam calls it the chicken noodle soup of the of society. Yeah, Like it really makes everything move forward. It means that, for example, I mean, I'm not worried when I put my baggage in Sweden on a car and when I'm on the train mm. and then go and take my seat in another train. Um, it also is really good for trade and business um, it's really good for, I mean, it's good for everything. It's called social capital, ultimately. And no one, nobody has picked up on that. I would say also, many of the people who are working in low-skilled jobs, um, you know, in terms of hotel, restaurant, and conference, uh, it's the same classifications from Arbetsförmedlingen that we used in the survey. The majority of those people actually went and have an advanced degree from a Swedish university. And and many of these people, and I would say that this is a good portion of the Work Permit Holders Association, had come from countries from Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. India, Bangladesh, and Pakistan, had come to Sweden and studied advanced, you know, have advanced degrees, and end up working in in low-skilled jobs. Um, and so that's kind of like the the real second step of of the survey would be, you know, why are these people, you know, of course, deported, uh, I mean, or affected by this competence of thing mm. is one thing, but why aren't these people working in skilled jobs? Uh, so then it would be about more in terms of diversity and recruitment uh, and, and inclusion. That's another level entirely. Yeah. And ideally in a perfect world, we would be working on that instead of, you know, going back in time and trying to make sure that people like me or you or many, you know, hundreds of others weren't weren't being uh, affected by the risk of being literally deported. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, that's the, that's the, that was the, that was the dog's logget. That was the, that was the way it was. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, just to wrap up now, cause we're getting to the, getting to the end of this. Um, you've been through a lot being the chief operations officer of diversify being honestly the solid rock for a lot of us going through this situation of uh, being deported visas denied going through appeals all the shenanigans that comes with it how are you right now as a human i think there's definitely been it's been a roller coaster but it's been, you know, it was super interesting. Um, I was, it was a few months ago that there's these different uh, municipalities that have absorbed a very high rate of, of uh, refugees more than others. Mm. And the, the public sector is, you know, absorbing a lot of this. And they were saying, you know, we have these people with these really hard situations. And of course it affects us. And so we have a coach and... You know, we have increased leave and this kind of stuff. But this, at Diversify, this was kind of an issue with competence feasting that was very strategically, these people were just very strategically left behind by a lot of people. Mm. Um, there's no one specifically to blame, uh, I think. And it was super weird because it's been the absolute 
loneliest uh, job um, and and most nitty gritty assignment and raw uh, that I've ever taken on ever. And I mean, I've worked in a war zone. I've worked with people who have been, you know, human rights defenders uh, that have been jailed, imprisoned, tortured, uh, threatened. Um, I've, uh, I mean, and all of this, the, the, the real irony is that all of this is that I was doing the exact same things that I learned from Sweden. And in the spirit of this real spirited defense of human dignity, but when it's in Sweden, as opposed to abroad, it's it's political, mm. whereas abroad it's development. And so right now, I would say it's been it's been really hard. But whenever I feel like I'm really down and out, um, and there's been many times uh, when you kind of absorb. I mean, when like for example, when you were going through your deportation, when. Alexia, you know, who was pregnant um, from also from Australia, by the way. And she was like, they're not, you know, they're going to deport me. They're not giving me my hook pending, you know, for my pregnancy. Going down, like all of these experiences kind of add up. And I think the hardest part has been doing this in the name of Sweden and and name of Swedish values and Mm -hmm. being alone. It's it's definitely been a trip. I wouldn't do it any other way, but it's really hard to rationalize this type of work when everyone is, or not everyone, but many people simply just don't want to acknowledge it. Mm. And I think this is kind of a new context for Sweden that, you know, we've been, it's, everything's been so good for so long and everything's been taken care of, but it's been so hard to make the argument that it's not that Sweden is a bad country. Sweden is a great country. It's that demanding these kind of Swedish values of human dignity and inclusion and equality for those of us that are left behind and that there is a flaw and that it's very important to fix not only for those of us who have been through competence with these things, but for Sweden long term. For example, when all the stuff with torture of suspected terrorists in the U.S. came out, It was actually John McCain, um, a Republican, who is a former prisoner of war and Vietnam veteran, who was so adamantly against it that he said, this is more about us than it is about terrorists. This is more about our values. And these are these really, really difficult, but also extremely important questions as different societies that need to be addressed. Because if you don't, And if you let fear take over, then you lose that edge that not only the world needs, but Sweden needs, especially uh, uh, during uh, times of polarization and times of identity politics. And what would you say your one message to to Sweden, to the Swedes living here be? I would say that if you really study the dynamics of how Sweden built this country that faster than most any country in the world literally catapulted itself into modernization, and really kind of getting it right in so many ways. My message would be to to stay true to that and to understand that democracy as a concept is is not waiting for a consensus on the state to tell you what to do, but it's actually 
the ability to say this is wrong and that's okay uh, it's okay that it's not perfect mm. and uh, general civic engagement i think that's something that has been really really reawoken for so many countries in this kind of time where provincialism and chauvinism has gotten so much traction it's all that is is politicians selling you bad policy for cheaper that doesn't sound like a good model at all no <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and, and a lot of this is very very strategically coordinated with extremely large money and resources that mm. in sweden what i've always maintained is that we're better than this um we do better than this and it doesn't matter that i'm american or you're australian or ali is from iran that this is part of us uh being genuinely integrated in the sense that we learned from you and we're holding you to that and that's a good thing mm. and we need to rise above the polarization of classic feuds that have been going on for years um between specifically labor and businesses that this is just not okay um it's not okay to treat people like this and it's not the um it's not an exit ramp for a, a slam dunk you know political victory this is about people that's all i did that was everything that it was about these are people with all the othering that's been going on you know like i said bad copies of american campaign mm-hmm. policy these are people and i still believe that sweden has the ability to overcome this issue and many other issues uh, i still believe that maybe maybe i'm like a professional addict you know what i mean <laughs> but i still believe that and we are part of this country uh, we care about this country i mean part of the social fabric exactly uh, yeah. and and of course there are some people from other countries that like all the different talk about gang crime and you know all this kind of negative stuff there of course there's people like that but, but every country has this exactly i mean like everywhere in the world every country has this 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 percentage which is like this exactly but then it, it comes down to this really hard issue of defining what is the right thing to do in sweden in a country that's based its identity on the complete individual mobility mm. um to do whatever you want and and that's great and we should uphold that but don't leave people like me or you behind um we're part of this society we pay into the welfare state we believe in this you find so little political arguments actually when you talk to the target group mm. giving these people a voice and engaging with them will provide ultimately really good results and, and the they're part of this uh, we need more immigrants to simply pay for welfare state services for a generation that's becoming older and needs more assistance the faster that we're able to integrate these people um and, and keep them and keep them and keep them is that's the future what this is sweden we're talking about this is a country that has pioneered rights for people with special needs women's rights uh, an entire country has dedicated its foreign policy to women's rights i mean it's the same thing when it comes to migrants we need sweden like this and upholding it and keeping it at that high level is so critical yep. not only for sweden but for the world 100% and with that 
Matt, it's been a pleasure and an honor to interview you on the other side <laughs> of this podcast, mate. Um, how are you feeling? I feel relieved to some degree, my friend, uh, specifically as we've run totally out of money at Diversify <laughs> and it's shutting down. <laughs> But I'm really grateful for you, man. I mean, you and all the... I mean, we have uh, over 600, 700 different survey respondents now. All I did was create a framework for this, for people to express themselves. And that's it. He's selfless to the end, this bugger. I mean... Fuck off, (laughs) If I had like three glasses of wine in a podcast booth, what do you expect? No, mate, but like... You've brought us together. You've you've given us a fighting chance. You've been a massive catalyst in pushing this forward and helping all of us in our situation. So from I think from every one of us in the situation, thank you. It's been an honor. This is the Dearly Deported signing out. <laughs> let me just ask you, let me just ask you, like, you know, what race are you, like for real, you know? Mate. I am the race from planet Earth called Homo sapiens. That's what's up. You got it. Oh.